On Sunday evening, John Rahm, one of the best golfers in the world, won the Masters, the first major tournament of the sport every year. Rahm wins the Masters Marathon. Rahm is also one of the PGA Tour's best players, who stayed loyal after all of the chaos of some big names leaving for live golf. But to win his first green jacket, the iconic prize for the Masters, he had to battle back against Brooks Kepka, a four-time major winner who just so happened to be one of the biggest players to leave for live golf. To a story tonight that not just the golf world, it has everybody really talking about this. Local pro golfer Brooks Kepka reportedly ready to join the Saudi-backed live tour. Kepka was in the lead for much of the tournament, including heading into the final round, but he played poorly towards the end to knock himself out of any chances of winning. He ended up finishing tied for second, alongside a name that many of you might remember distinctly from the Live episode, Phil Mickelson. Well, at 18, Phil. Mickelson became the oldest player at the age of 52 to finish top five at the Masters. But the biggest story was that Live Golf silenced any doubt that their players could compete on the course at Augusta, Georgia. Twelve of the 18 players on Live made the cut. Three players finished in the top five, including Kepka, Mickelson, and Patrick Reed. So today, we discuss the question that is on everyone's mind after Sunday. With all this division between two professional tours, where does the sport go from here? I'm Harry Kelly. And this is Not Your Grandpa's Golf. To start answering this question, it's important to note that one of the biggest things everyone seems to agree upon is that the majors, made up of the Masters, PGA Championship, U.S. Open, and British Open, most likely hold the most power in how these two tours coexist. It's clear that no live players will have a chance to play in any tour but their own. A court in Europe just ruled they cannot play on the European Tour, which means the only chance they have to play outside of Live is the Majors, which are run by separate organizations from the PGA Tour. And a big thing with these Majors is their qualification criteria. The amount of players that consistently play on the PGA Tour and Live Golf is around 200 players, give or take. A major tournament is not able to host all of these players at once, so they need to dictate who makes it. I'm not going to go into all crazy details on how each major considers who qualifies. You can Google the specifics. But in general, there are a couple key things that can get you into a major golf tournament as a pro golfer, at least when the PGA Tour was still dominant. You could win a regular tournament, pretty straightforward, win and you're in. You could finish in the top four of a major the previous year. Or the most likely option, you could be a top 50 player according to the world golf rankings. So let's backtrack to how these rankings got started. In the mid-80s, the people running the British Open became concerned with the fact that they weren't able to give invitations to some top players due to the fact they would split their time between the PGA Tour and European Tour. So to solve this issue, they formed the rankings so that as long as you played on a recognized professional tour, you would get points based on your performance, and the rankings could help standardize for the majors who were the best players in the world. In 1986, the rankings became official and have become a mainstay ever since. By the way, in that first release of rankings, the number six player in the world, Greg Norman. Yes, well done. He's done it at last. Greg Norman, 69, and the champion for 1986. Anyways, fast forward to 2022, 
And while there have been controversies about how the rankings calculated, who the top players were, in general, it was agreed upon that when it came to the overall top 50 to 100 players, it did a solid job of capturing that. And then Liv came along and threw a wrench in the whole process. Ron Green Jr. explains why they've not been able to get ranking points so far. It's supposed to be a 72-hole event. It's supposed to have at least, I think, 75 players. It's supposed to have a cut. It's supposed to have a system where you have to qualify for the events. They don't meet a lot of the criteria to, to earn points. In the last episode, I discussed how Liv is 54 holes, 48 players, no cut, and as of now, there's no qualification system. It's the same players every tournament. Though Liv has announced that starting next year, that will change via their own promotion and relegation system. But because they're unable to, as of now, get any ranking points, their players have dropped dramatically. Phil Mickelson dropped to 425th in the world. Brooks Kepka dropped to 118th. The only player who is pretty high in the rankings is Cameron Smith at number 6. But a lot of that is due to his win at the British Open last year. And as he spends more time with Liv, he too will drop. Now, a lot of the guys who played at the Masters from Liv Golf qualified because they were previous major winners or were still good enough with ranking points. But once all the players drop even more, that leaves good performance at the majors as their only way in. But if they're not even getting in the first place, it could lead to a scenario of most Liv players not being able to play at the majors, which begs the question, why wasn't this a concern for the players joining? I think what Liv sort of thought was going to happen with telling the players they could all play the PGA Tour even when they signed Liv, they're all going to be in the majors, they're all going to do this, they're all going to get world ranked points. They wanted the world to fit to their model, you know, the world to say yes to all the things they just promised, uh, and, and they haven't been able to do that. Liv is contesting to the rankings committee that they should have points, but it's unclear when or if they'll get any. But if they don't, it could mean that the vast majority of the 18 players who qualified this year wouldn't be able to play in the Masters next year. And many of the people involved in Live are hoping that doesn't happen. You know, I think we deserve them. You know, I think, you know, obviously with the quality of players we have out here, the events we're having, you know, we should have them. So, you know, I think it's fair. I think for all the guys on the tour, it, it would mean a lot to get world ranking points. You know, there's, I, I suppose there's a lot on the line with, with, the, with the ranking points. For the World Golf rankings, this is a great way to keep its credibility while not bringing in politics. If Live Golf is not able to get ranking points, it would mean players have two options to get into the majors. Play very well on the Asia Tour, or suddenly be allowed back on the PGA Tour. And as was hinted at at the end of the last episode, that latter scenario is looking very unlikely. Here's Ron Syrak to explain. 11 of the players who jumped to Live Golf filed an antitrust suit against the PGA Tour because the PGA Tour uh, suspended them for, for joining a rival organization. So they filed an antitrust suit against the PGA Tour. Not only are antitrust suits notoriously difficult to win in the sports world, they also take an extremely long time. As of now, the trial date is not set in stone, but it most likely wouldn't take place until May 2024 at the earliest. And the reason the date is in flux is also the reason why the lawsuit could be in jeopardy. Well, you know, there's this little thing in the American legal system called discovery. And the first thing the PGA Tour has done now is they said, okay, you want us to open up our books. And and in this antitrust case, we want Live Golf to open up its books. And right now we're finding out is the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia doesn't want to open up their books. So 
this this whole thing may end before it ever gets into a courtroom for, for that very reason. How much does Live Golf and and the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia want to make public about their finances? A U.S. district judge ruled that the public investment fund and Yasir Al-Rumiyan, the leader of the fund we discussed earlier, are subject to depositions and discovery and are not protected by sovereign immunity because of their key part in running Live Golf. Attorneys representing them are going to try to appeal to the U.S. Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court if they have to, which could take another year to two years without the trial even coming close to starting. What's worse, if the courts elect to not even hear the case, then Rumion and the fund must comply with the decision, or most likely end the lawsuit. These delays could be catastrophic for live players because if they are shut out from qualifying for the majors, they won't have a shot of getting another opportunity for several years with this lawsuit, and even that shot may never come. There are also questions of leadership at Live since their 2022 season ended in November. Since that time, at least three high-ranking executives at Live Golf have left the organization, which sort of makes you wonder exactly how stable the whole thing is right now. People around Live have dismissed any concerns that the lawsuit or organization turnover mean any existential threat. Instead, they've turned their focus to a key part of their product. You know, they've got this whole thing with their franchises. They won't be able to do it fully this year because some players still have contracts for clothing companies, all that. But, you know, they're talking about next year, you're going to have a four-player team, whether it's Poulter and Lee Westwood's team in England or Bubba Watson and Harold Barner and their team. They're all going to be wearing the same clothes, same outfits, you know, when they're on the golf course. So you can identify them just like you could a, you know, a football team or whatever. And they're going to trumpet that. Liv is really pushing a marketing campaign around their 12 teams this year, like this ad which has circulated throughout YouTube, social media, and television. Why should I support your team? Why support the High Flyers? Right? Whoa, don't forget the fireballs. But it's not just ads. As Ron Green Jr. said, the team clothing and branding has become huge. The Masters certainly showed that. When Phil Mickelson made that birdie on 18 with a huge crowd on Sunday, he did so wearing a hat and long sleeve shirt, bearing the logo of the team he's captain of, High Flyers GC. Brooks Kepka is still with Nike, so he didn't have anything on, though next year that will most likely change so he can support the team he's captain of, Smash GC. Dustin Johnson wore a shirt with the logo of the team he's captain of, 4Aces GC, along with a teammate of his, Patrick Reed. The list goes on. The vast majority of Live players had their team logo on them somewhere at the Masters, unless they truly couldn't because of a clothing gear deal. So why does Live Golf and their players care so much about these teams? The answer is complicated. Firstly, on a basic level, they're hoping it will help them attract new fans and make their product different and more exciting than the PGA Tour. They believe, you know, they look at Formula One and see how successful that has been, and they think fans will tap into that. And another reason is money. In the last episode, we discussed how Saudi Arabia has most likely spent well over a billion dollars on live golf between last year and this year. And one of their strategies to try to get back money is to sell the ownership stakes in these 12 teams like you would see in the NFL or NBA. Live has a 75% stake in all 12 of the teams, while the team captains have 25%. Though it's important to note that that slice of 25% is usually split between the team members after the rosters are confirmed. The Public Investment Fund believes that if the 12 teams can sell for several hundreds of millions of dollars, 
you can do the math and see they'd get a big return on their investment and not be so much at a loss with Live. But that's going to be very difficult to convince people to invest in something like this. Team golf is great when it's the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup or, you know, the NCAA tournament college golf but otherwise uh, you know it's it's an individual sport and i i think i, I don't know I, i'm not sure i'm buying what they're selling in terms of how compelling it's going to be because if people don't care who wins then they're not really going to watch i mean it's like preseason football i mean they play it but does anybody pay much attention to it i don't think so so while a lot is left up in the air about where live golf goes from here the PGA Tour also has a lot coming up in its future. In the first episode, we brought up designated events, tournaments that all of the top players must participate in for vastly increased prize money. And since that time, a big announcement occurred related to this development. Field sizes will be reduced in the designated events to between 70 and 78 players, and the 36-hole cut will be removed. Now, you might have noticed something odd in that report. It is almost the exact same format as a live golf tournament, with some slight changes, of course. No cuts, smaller fields, huge prize money. Even top PGA Tour players, like the new Masters champion John Rahm, admitted it was no coincidence. Oh, it was live golf. I mean, without a doubt, without live golf, this wouldn't have happened. So to an extent, like I've said before, we should be thankful. This threat just made the PGA Tour want to change things. But a key change is that there will no longer be a huge requirement for top players to attend these events. However, the tour is looking to reorganize its schedule so that these events are able to be more spread out and non-designated events will have their time to shine. Between that and guaranteed tournament money, no matter how you finish, the hope is that no requirement will be needed for all of the top players to play. Rory McIlroy believes this will ultimately benefit the PGA Tour. You know, the no-cut aspect is, is more for the, the sort of commercial viability of it and making sure that your top guys are there to, to be seen for, for four days. McElroy and Tiger Woods are also creating something that has the potential to have a huge impact on pro golf. Tiger Woods and Rory McElroy are venturing on a, a PGA Tour-sanctioned Monday night team competition. They're putting together a team league that's going to be uh, played on Mondays, which is not a PGA Tour day. That's normally a travel day for players. There's also a twist that comes with that. It's not typical golf. Its aim is to showcase team matches fusing advanced tech and live action from custom-built venue in Monday primetime. Yes, you heard that right. Golf in an arena, which is currently being built at Palm Beach State College, in a league that will feature virtual components. You're probably wondering what a lot of that means, and to be honest, we don't really know what this thing will look like. Golf has always had what are called simulators, where you use your golf clubs and balls to hit against a screen, which then calculates where your ball would have ended up, and it shows you on a screen. But we've never seen it used in anything like this before. And apparently, the arena will feature an actual green surrounded by fans, so who knows what it will end up being like. But it's clear something must be working in the product pitch, because TGL has been attracting all of the top PGA Tour players, including Rom, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott, Colin Morikawa, Matt Fitzpatrick, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Justin Rose, and Xander Shoffley. And more names are expected to come because it will be six teams of three for a grand total of 18 players, including Woods and McElroy. So with all this being said about the PGA Tour and Live Golf, there's been a lot of talk about who's going to win this battle for pro golf supremacy. All three of the journalists I interviewed, Ron Zyrak, Ron Green Jr., 
and Kyle Porter all had similar answers. Quality of the competition, how compelling the competition is, you know, and I think that right now PGA Tour is winning that in, in, in a couple of ways. It has the better players and uh, it, it has the better atmosphere at its events, you know, where they where you have large crowds they will play tournaments this year in in a bunch of cities there are going to be as many people in person on the golf course watching a pga tour event as are watching live events on television you know so <laughs> the, the the live audience is going to be better than the total bigger than the total audience uh, of of live so that's that's what i mean and and the other thing that, that's in there is a compelling aspect of all sports is history, you know, and to say that, you know, Tiger Woods has won 82 tournament, 82 PGA Tour events, and, and he's tied with Sam Snead for the most ever won. That's that's not something Liv can make up. They, they, they don't have they don't have a history to, to build on. It's like if somebody formed a rival baseball league right now. You know, you know, are they are they going for the home run record? You know, I mean, it's 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 like they don't have they don't have records to go for. You can't you can't buy history. So that that's a big thing that that the PGA Tour has has on, on its side is they've got Ben Hogan and Sam Snead and Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods as the benchmarks for greatness on their tour. And, and Lib Golf doesn't have that that. That, again, gives, you know, the PGA Tour has the leg up in the quality of the players that it has and that history. And right now, the intensity of the uh, of its fan base. 20 years from now, the PGA Tour is going to be rolling along. I don't know about Liv. I think the court case is going to have a big effect on that. Uh, they have a lot of money. But I would think if the Saudis are not getting the return they want, if they're not getting the investment into these franchises like they project, you know, I could see that not lasting terribly long term. I, I think for the near future, I think it's going to be sort of a, a grudging coexistence. I think they are going to, uh, the tour is going to go about being the PGA Tour. Liv's going to go try to get this second year up and running and talk about what they can do next year. Uh, you know, I think that court case lingers. I don't know. I think, I think we're sort of, you know, both sides have gone to their corners and will come out swinging as best they can in their own sort of part of the, the ring there. It's hard because, you know, there were moments in 2022 where you, you kind of said, hey, Liv is actually doing some stuff here. You know, they signed Cam Smith after the Open Championship and they get Bryson and they get Dustin Johnson and Phil and all these kind of big, Brooks Koepke, all these pretty big names, even, got, even though they're guys that are maybe not playing the best golf they've ever played. That's real momentum. The momentum has slowed down. I don't think there's a ton of changes, honestly, from 2022, which becomes a problem when part of your the allure of your league is this momentum or this sort of, hey, we signed this guy, we signed that guy. So although there were moments in 2022 where I would have said, hey, Liv is, is maybe winning this month or this week or whatever, I think the PGA Tour is still in the driver's seat pretty handily. And I think... Unless Liv is able to kind of continue to turn the tide on signing huge names and big stars, I think it kind of withers on the vine over the next couple of years. And I think the PGA Tour eventually wins out. And I'm hopeful that for fans, we're left with a better PGA Tour product in five years from now than we had five years ago. 
That's going to do it for this three-episode arc on the PGA Tour, Live Golf, and the future of professional golf. A big thank you to Ron Syrak, Ron Green Jr., and Kyle Porter for being so generous with their time and answers. Next week, we dive into the major tournament that kept popping up during the story, the Masters. I'm Harry Kelly, and I'll see you in the next episode.